Cradeline Network. I am the Lord, and this is the tenth episode of Big Bag One. The podcast where we patrol our way through the Judge Dredd magazine, but that's not all, because this is also now where we discuss Judge Dredd-branded specials, annuals, and yearbooks, and to that end, we're looking at the 1992 Judge Dredd yearbook. It's the first Dredd yearbook, and the 12th Dredd annually kind of thing generally, um, and always these books are dated for the year after they're released. So yeah, first Dredd yearbook. We've got stories with art by Jeff Sr., Steve Yole, and Mike Hadley, and the first comic written by, you know, future Master 2019 scribe Dan Abnett. Um, we also, sadly, get the wee tone of Walter. Oh, no. <laughs> the yearbook has gone up a pound in price from last year, um, to five pounds 95, but enough of that, because I got to introduce my guest for this yearbook, the esteemed Pete Wells. Hey! I'm naked. Oh, no, again. <laughs> yes, naked guy running around 2018 where space splitter towers. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my friends. Hello. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's about a year oh, since we, we, we've had you on, and I'm really stoked to have you now on Big Bag One talking about this futuristic law enforcement, etc. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here, and can I say I really love the Big Bag One podcast. It's great. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> to hear somebody else other than myself talking about America was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've Very been on on uh, over on 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 Eamon's show, the Mega City Book Club, talking about America several times. We've <laughs> yeah, we've just finished upset. talking about it ourselves. Yeah, the the, the first big run, the, this first big main story of of the magazine. Oh man. <laughs> Fabulous. So it's um, been a year. I feel like the world has changed in the year since you've been on uh, in the show. In some ways for the worst and in some ways for the better, though. So, ups, and, <laughs> ups and downs, certainly. Yep. Um. <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't seem like two minutes since since I was on the, on the show. I remember you saying, oh, well, I could have you back in about a year. Well, I had at, at that point, I had so many people – that like booked up like it's not like i want to say like oh yes like once a year that's right <laughs> got a, got a <laughs> limited amount it's more like i just um that th there's there was this period i feel like between like 89 and like 91 now where there were just a lot of annuals and specials that people were very interested in <laughs> <laughs> sort of brings us to here <laughs> But uh, be, be, before the show, we, we talked a little bit, and I'd love to, 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 to get back on the topic, just, um, a, um, you know, we're in this sort of, you know, this is, is coming out like towards the end of 1991, and we're in the middle of this um, early 90s period of, of the magazine in 2000 AD generally. And I was just wondering, I, I know you were a fan in that period, and if you could kind of talk about yes. like your experiences then. Yes, so um, I was a prog one but I was sort of four or five years old when <laughs> Prog One came out. Right. Um, but it was still in our house. Um, I still remember, or I remember Prog Two. Um, 
but my brother was the kind of big 2000 AD guy mm-hmm. when I was younger. So I was born in, in 72. I'm, I'm ancient. Um, but he moved off to university, I think, in 1990. So when he left, the important mantle of collecting 2000 AD fell to me. <laughs> so, you know, where um, where your show is at at the moment and then the quality's kind of um, patchy, to say the least. Yeah, was there's, when I there's inher- stuff going on, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was when I inherited it. Um, but so it was still special to us, even though I know in me in me heart that uh, or in me head that that it, it's not so good. But thankfully, the Meg came out round about the same time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll have been eighteen when when the Meg came out, and I think that was kind of the perfect age. Sort of mid to late teens was a great age for buying the magazine, and I remember it feeling really grown up and. <laughs> you know, I think that's why yeah. I, I adore America so much because it was it was so grown up. But the whole Meg was was grown up and and it had grown up with us and and it, and it felt like mine. Interesting, yeah. Two thousand AD felt like me brothers that I'd inherited. The Meg certainly felt like mine, um, and it's always been special. It was that, and I still love the Meg. I think it's great. Nice, um, but I remember yeah. this book as well, really clearly. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah first. it's um these there we talked about it a little bit on the um in the episode or it i talked to uh to 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 my guest robert um on the show for the night for the 2000 ad yearbook just this move to these um softback yeah. editions and stuff which i guess are supposed to be a little bit more mature or something more like a like, like a teenager magazine as opposed yeah. to a kid comic book or something like that um, yeah, I remember um, my copies at, at my parents' house, um, but I remember getting this signed. The, there was a big sign and push with all of these, I think, year on year in the UK. They would yes. um, send all the droids out to the, to the <laughs> comic shops. And I know that, that all of me, me big floppies are, are signed. Yeah, definitely. We've seen in the um... – just in like the nerve centers and stuff that they're definitely yeah, right. w- when these come out there are we they, they they do put in pictures of these big signing events and just these big you know like yeah. 12 or f- like uh, t- 10 or 12 uh, creators all in one place i think for this year they got a guy in a judge dread uniform to go out with them and stuff like that <laughs> as well never trust a guy in a judge dread uniform that's what i see <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that mysterious Judge Jimp um, cosplay that that sometimes um, shows up? Um, I wonder who that was. He's got a a bucket on his head and a a rubber chicken on his arm and and a takeaway tray for for a shoulder pad. Um, Yeah, mysterious fella that that turns up now and again at conventions with (laughs) the worst Judge Dredd costume. I wonder who it could be, Conrad. Who could it be? Oh, man, these (laughs) mysteries. You you, you bring him to my show and just drop him off. Now we got to figure it out. I see how it goes. (laughs) Oh, man. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like... um, 
it's an interesting time these sort of early 90s yes like it's 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 interesting uh, just sort of it, it's a kind of a forgotten time almost while there's one or there there well, while there are certainly high points that are of course well remembered um like america or even like us or slain the horn god for instance or, or or things like that there's also we are getting into just periods where like nothing besides judge dread has ever been collected or something yeah. it's uh it's an int- it's um, a it's, we're still developing the same, uh, to a future for 2018 at this yeah. point, I guess. At, at the moment, Rebellion seem to be collecting some digital copies of lots of these early 90s stories that are digital only. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and, I yeah, I got I angry at him actually because of it. <laughs> because <laughs> we talked we 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 recently talked about Revere and I said it hadn't been collected and then as soon as I feel like as soon as that episode was published they made an announcement saying they were collecting it. I'm like, "What what are you guys doing to me? What's going on here?" you know. <laughs> but you've got to wonder if um if it's because of your show that that that, that are like that, I must admit that was something I thought about at my most um, at my most paranoid. That I think maybe that. some of these tales <laughs> didn't warrant a. Um, <laughs> I mean, it'll. I but feel yeah, like I yeah, it it'll it'll bring out a di- show yeah. that these things are um, with a, maybe it's a renewed interest because they've come up in your little timeline. That's I what like, I was thinking, and they may not warrant a, a print release, even though I love some of the art on yeah. the. Um, I mean, I love I all these digital releases for sure. And just having a way for people to read these stories, yeah. I think, is is really great. I mean, we've we've definitely like, and I know they're also re-releasing. They're, I, th- I think there's a uh, a Bad City Blue collection coming out. I've seen yeah. a. Um, I, I think actually reprinting in on paper the Stainless Steel Rat collection, which I'm I'm probably going to try to pick up oh, yes. just because mm, that's definitely. such a such a classic. But you know, yep. uh, yeah, I feel like I can't, I can't think that they listen to the show because then I, I get real paranoid, basically. <laughs> Although, like, I, I just always remember there was one time, like the um, we actually when Eamon from the Mega City Book Club came on and we did um our episode of Space Spinner reaction that was about the action comic and we did the yeah. kids rule okay cover in that one. And the the day that came out, Rebellion put out a T-shirt of that cover, t-shirt. and I was like, wow. "What's what's going on?" <laughs> Stalking you. But that's, yeah. also, that's also the power of Saint Eamon. Absolutely, he's a, he's yeah. A <laughs> I got the. Um, I always appreciate the the uh, yeah the, uh, the the Mega City Book Club bump for sure, whether it's yeah. real or uh, or a spiritual one. I guess <laughs> it's wind in the sails. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I've missed him during this pandemic. He's a lovely fella. Um, when the things get back to normal, hopefully you'll be able to come over and reunite with Fox. And um, that's the dream. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. But, uh, but Eamon is a is a, a wonderful man. Hopefully, he won't listen to this and hear us see it. But he's <laughs> uh, even nicer in the flesh than he is on his on his podcasts. He's great. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but speaking of podcasts, hey, let's uh maybe let's dive into this here yearbook. Oh, oh man. I what we're doing. <laughs> Listen, you know, when when friends meet, you got to you got to talk it out, you know. But um I sh- I should say before we get started here, I got to make a confession. It's the elephant in the room, which is that we're reading this from a scanned copy of the yearbook and why and the, and, and for the first time this has happened actually, the scanner 
whoever made whoever di- digitized this copy of the yearbook only included the comics and the text story for the annual. So that means we're so like last episode of Big Meg One, I said that it seems like the yearbook is like all meat, no filler, but it was literally because I've got a I've got a, a version where all the meat's been where, where all the filler's been cut out. <laughs> um, but so it means that we're missing a lot of like yearbooks and other features or uh, or uh, not not yearbooks, but um uh, sorry, like um, mug sheets and things about creators and other side um, things as well as a couple dread reprints. I'm gonna try. I'm I've bought a physical copy of the yearbook and it's sort of on its way to me now. And so after we talk, Pete, I'm gonna do a special section where I just go through all that and um, add that in, basically. Or maybe I'll do uh, it at a later date. Or no, maybe we can get together and do and check it out at a later date or that, something like that. I've, yeah, I've still got my physical copy. At, at my parents' house, so I'll, I'll dig mine out. <laughs> sure, yeah, we can do a we can do a Big Meg one ten point five or something like that, and just go over oh. the stuff that we missed this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I'd be very keen for that. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah, no, it's a date then. We'll figure it out. But um, yeah, so I just want to I just want to say that right away. That's why this might be maybe a short episode, but definitely why we're just sort of jumping from. Actual thing to actual thing, as opposed to me just sort of complaining about filler and things. And it like is a, it is a shame because I, I really do enjoy those rap sheets and things like that. I, yeah, I think they are, I they, they often stuff. have like fun answers, or you kind of get a yeah. sense of, of of the people. Sometimes, yeah, there's ones for most of the of the crea- of the artists in this one. Uh, Jeff. G- uh, Jeff, Jeff Senior, Cam Kennedy, Steve Yole, Mike Hadley, uh, John Higgins, and Lee Sullivan. Just a bunch of these. Oh, and Kev Hopgood. Yeah, a lot of these guys. And there's a bunch of other like side things. I think there's a feature on Walter the Wobot and stuff like that. We but, might you know. skip that one. Though. Listen, we got to talk about <laughs> these robots. All right, <laughs> gotta do it. Um, <laughs> Getting into it, um, like the 2000 AD yearbook, um, the Dread yearbook is ha- has moved to soft cover, and it's got a quadruple-sized fold-out cover with art by Dermot Power. In this one, Dread in, in like the main cover with the part that says like Judge Dread yearbook, we've got Dread and his lawmaster um, shooting with his with his bike guns, a perp that's on another page, and then the the two pages on the left just have a, a crowd running from the uh, from the engagement. Basically, it's got a lot of a lot of color in this one. Just these big green, orange, and blue section or purple yeah, yeah. sections in it as well. It's just fun Dermot Power stuff here. I was a big, big fan of Dermot Power. Thought his work was fantastic. He, he came out of nowhere. I remember. I, I remember seeing he did the the first thing he ever did was the cover of the Commodore sixty four <laughs> Judge Dredd game. Oh wow! And and I, and I I remember the image as clear as day and thinking, wow, that artist's great. Um, and then he started working in the comics so that was really exciting and then he did like sega ads and all kinds he quite an odd career now he's you know he's some big hollywood concept artist now worked on star wars and harry potter and um nice. fantastic beasts and yeah. charlie and the chocolate factory and all sorts but i've um i really do love his work and i've got a i'm lucky enough i've got a page of his um Book of the Dead work. Oh wow! Uh, 
Nice. Which is lovely. Um, fully painted, but then bits of biro on and all kinds of little bits of mixed media stuck to them. Hmm. Um, and I've got a, a really nice um, painted dread that he did that's just dread kind of standing with his hands on his hips. And I hadn't seen it anywhere. So I ended up getting in touch with him and saying, like, sorry to disturb you, but can you tell us <laughs> what this is from? And he couldn't remember. And then a few years later, um, in Lawman of the Future, which I think we'll end up talking about today, um, there was a, a center spread in there that was the difference between Stallone movie dread and comic oh. dread. And it was this, the comic dread that he painted for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> But he was a, a very nice chap. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, we've just seen his, some of his first work in the in the progs now. He just did a, the he, he did art for the for the Muzak killer recently oh. in uh, in 2018. <laughs> yeah, celebrity cameos and things like that. I think, yeah, I think a theme that that we might get in this book. There are some fantastic artists whose careers have served by quite poor scripts <laughs> and i think dermot's dermot's are one of those a music killer was it was just bradley again wasn't it but in dread yeah very much just um <laughs> like i've i've got some opinions about popular yeah. music in the year 1991 <laughs> and and i the only way i could express them is through comic books <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I hate bras. I hate them so much. <laughs> Basically, I don't even. I, mean, I don't even know what bras was until I read 2000 AD. It's called them bros until someone told me you, otherwise. You know, man, you're a lucky man. <laughs> oh, I, I, I should also say, sort of, as we're getting in here, just to give you some context. Um, in the magazine, we just finished uh, volume one, issue thirteen. So. We just reached the end of, um, or sorry, we're, we're, we're about to reach the end of Armitage, Red Razors, and Al's Baby, and um, Dred's fighting that Raptar monster thing. <laughs> Good stuff. Just a lot Some going on. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but That'd let's, be relevant to this, though, yes. Yeah, there's, there's parts coming in here for sure. Yep, yep. But so, let's get going with Kiss. Story 1, The Sleeper. Script robot John Wagner, art robot Jeff Senior, leg robot Gordon Robson. So because of the of the gatefold cover, I've I've now been told by outside sources. <laughs> um, <laughs> this yearbook also has a massive Mega City One cityscape at the start of this dread story. Just all these big buildings and spotlights and stuff leading into a fancy nightclub where Iggy Ziegler presents the Mega City Follies. <laughs> Which I'm assuming is a, is a modern version of the Ziegfeld Follies, which was this theatrical review in early 20th century uh, Broadway in, uh, in, in New York City over here. <laughs> a, uh, a flamboyant – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I'm glad you knew that because I'd, I'd had tried to find the, uh, the reference there and I couldn't. Oh, no, I do yeah. love Jeff Senior's um buildings are brilliant and yeah he that, does he does a great job of these I think like the gatefold cover um <laughs> it's something that should be more frequent shouldn't it it's so exciting 
It just, yeah. I mean, I'm now that I see this here in uh, in the Dread Yearbook, I'm now bummed because they didn't use that space in the 2000 AD Yearbook. Actually, right? Like it's just sort of got the opening <laughs> credits and then kind of a sketch, like like a a negative sketch of um, what the cover is. But yeah, anytime there's a chance to get these wide pictures and stuff and panoramas, I think it sh- should be taken just because Mega City One's such Definitely. a character, you know? Yeah. So a yes, flam- very much. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No problem. Yeah. A flamboyant gentleman gets out of a hover limo outside the theater and gets recognized by a yellow robot in a bowler hat. <laughs> <laughs> the man, Iggy Ziegler, uh, meet, uh, greets his public, but a bunch of robots push out of the crowd, like take out, uh, punch out his chauffeur. And then this big yellow robot, who's in a, also in a tuxedo, picks Ziegler up, and prepares to throw him off the side of a pe- of the pedway. <laughs> he very much looks like um odd job, doesn't he? Out yes. Of the, the Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah, to the point where I, I like like my um <laughs> my like my like hackles went up, but I think we're we're pretty much in in, in the clear for yeah. this one. Um, um I I really enjoyed um Jeff Senior's design work on this strip. I thought all of his robots were were beautiful all the way through. I kept Oh, there's another fantastic robot, but those the the two bellhop robots that are with the uh, the big yellow robot. Yeah, they've got the, the like hats little, and stuff like that. It's great. Yeah, they're like little precursors to the Mechanismo robots. They've, they've got the same facial shape and the the big. Uh, they got the jaws. They've been. Yeah. I wonder if if they had to like go stop by a store to get their angry eyebrows like that. <laughs> Or if they're just like that when they're doing normal bellhop work or something. That's if you don't tip them enough. <laughs> they just kind of go like, like down. <laughs> but so holding him over the head, this uh, tuxedo robot says, I have a message from Leonard Overly, but he's dead. And so are you. And he throws him off the side of the pedway. Ah! <laughs> Oh, with again some beautiful panel layouts and um, yeah, such good art. This image of uh, of a Ziegler just falling through yep. the, the the canyons <laughs> of Mega City One is pretty solid for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, Judge Dread is arresting a kid for spray painting Dread sucks on a wall when he sees Ziegler go go flying. And splat onto the ground, and I love that the kids trying to say, um, "No, no, listen, I'm, I'm, I wasn't done spray painting. I was gonna write dread succeeds." I'm with the kid. I believe the kid. I see the good in everyone. He's already written the K and sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late, you know. <laughs> oh, but um, <laughs> the. Uh, I know people are listening to this, but the art's lovely for this as well, isn't it? It's it's real beautiful storytelling of of the the poor guy falling, falling, the just passing. There's a good one, yeah. Just dread sees him, and then the, the and then Ziegler passes through the panel, and the next panel, dread's like looking down the side, like, whoa, I gotta, I gotta do something about this because it's still even after he passed, it still takes him two more panels to. Hit yeah. Like they're fully having like multi like multi sentence conversations <laughs> as before he hits the bottom, you know. Um, 
So Dredd goes to investigate. He says, if the kid can clean up the wall before the catch wagon arrives, he can go free. And he's like, I don't have any cleaning stuff. This is BS. <laughs> Dredd calls in a possible leaper and goes to investigate, arriving, um, arriving from where he jumped just in time to see these murderous robots pile into Ziegler's uh, hover, hover limo and ride out, even after Dredd shoots him a couple times. <laughs> they almost hit him and his bike goes screeching some good sound effects here there's like oh, a boy. scree and then a <laughs> crack and then a vadoom as the uh, as dread shoots the hover limo and it explodes really good but that yellow tuxedo droid comes bursting out of the wreckage and one of the uh, like there's a really great like full page picture of this just as he comes yeah. ripping out of the side and stuff <laughs> then the, the, okay. the poor bellhop doesn't get uh, much sympathy, does he? One, one of the, the bell one of the bellhops is is trapped in the car again. The the, the faces on these bellhops as they're shocked are pretty solid. Like ah, as as the tuxedo droid picks up the hover limo and throws it right at Dread. It's pretty excellent. He he says, "Forget him," meaning the other bellhop droid. He's finished. Yeah. And then the two run off into the night, passing a garbage truck as they go. Dred's bike's out of commission. He calls for backup. So, yeah. And this story is to be continued. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what, Conrad? I loved this. Really loved it. I thought it was everything um, that Dred should be. It was funny. The action was was phenomenal. Um, The robots were great. Mm -hmm. Um, Really enjoyed Jeff Senior's art. But with Jeff Senior, I feel like um, he was one of those artists that um, he got kind of shifted into the Lawman of the Future. Mm, yeah, yeah, he's done a, a ton of a ton of Lawman of the Future stuff, but not yeah. so much uh, uh, actual 2018. And I remember that quite clearly as well, that magazine. And he was always one of the standouts. There was him and, and Jim Murray and Alex Ronald were the three that I used to always look out for is his work was, was consistently good. Um, I think as, as we go through this, it, we have peaks and troughs in his work, but there are some of these bits that I really love, like that dread smashing off his bike is, is great. There's a beautiful panel that, that there's a big long panel on the bottom of the page of mm-hmm. dreads bikes. with the big scree sound. Effect. Yeah. And then pieces of the bike coming off it as it goes. Yeah. And stuff. It's some, some good little details here for sure. Yeah, and then when the big the big robot smushes out of the car and it's the full splash page, it's, it's really dynamic and bits of fire all over him and stuff. Real talented artist. I, I very much enjoyed his work. But what a great yeah, what a great start of this story. What a great start of the book. Yeah, it really um, jumps into jumps into the jumps into the action and has yeah, yeah it's a lot of what you're looking for in a, in a dread story, like you said, robots yeah, well, and humor and action and just future yeah. society things and stuff like that for sure. And 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 what I love is um, dreads a, a funny guy, isn't he? He's, people think of him as this dour. He's de- yeah, you know, he's super he's, deadpan here, especially with this interaction yeah. with this kid here. That's, that that's a really kid. great one. <laughs> really enjoyed it. So off to a, a flying start. Absolutely. Hey, oh, there, come on. I'll take that assist <laughs> as we go to Thrill 2, Im- Impact Imminent. 
<laughs> Script robot Simon Berman, art robot Steve Yole, letting robot Dozy. Um, actually, speaking of Lawman of the Future, because I know Simon Furman will draw a, a, a few Lawman of the Futures and then a lot of Transformers comics as well. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. he also – and also actually along with Jeff Sr., the two of them created the character uh, Death's Head as well, which I'm a, I'm a fan of. Um, yes. But so pop star Ian Impact is coming to Mega City 1 and it's causing lots of trouble. Okay. Uh, so, so Conrad, this is – Jason Donovan. Oh, thank it? you. Oh my God. I know. Uh, I was. <laughs> I was looking for some clever play on Ian Impact, and there's nothing. <laughs> like I, I figured out that he's Australian. So I, I like yeah. my my initial thought literally was like Vanilla Ice, just because he's got like the lines shaved in the side of his head, but the hair is not quite right for that. Um. <laughs> A little bit later, when he's on the plane, he's in. It's better than being in the soaps. And, and Jason Donovan came from ah, Neighbours. Of course. Okay, but it's I coming was, together. <laughs> I was looking for some relevance to Ian Impact, and I couldn't find anything. That's just <laughs> one, I think, just the Impact joke kind of works for the story, yes, you know? Yeah. And then you just got to have these alliterative names when you're in comic books, you know? We miss them a lot Shoot. in Judge Dredd because everybody goes by <laughs> by their last name, you know? But I'm just thinking of, like, American comics where everybody has an alliterative name. You yeah. know, you, you there's maybe one person in the DC universe whose name <laughs> doesn't start with the same two letters, you know? <laughs> But I would assume that by the year twenty-one uh, forty or whatever this is, that the name Ian will be long gone. Surely, there are no cool Ians in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, twenty-one, twenty-one, thirteen, the end of Ian. I don't know. I've met some. I've met some decent Ians in my time. I don't want to. I don't want to throw shade at the the name generally. You know, met some Ians and some and some Ians, as we also say here in the states. There's a lot. There's a there's a whole thing. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we digress. Yeah, uh, you know, I feel like this is what the, you know, that, that, that's what the fun is, you know, come on. But, um, yeah, this pop star arriving is causing lots of trouble. We see Dread arresting, um, a pickpocket in Ian Impact, like, uh, clothes and stuff. And he's like an old guy. Dread's like, you ought to be ashamed of yourself being a, being a grown up into superstars. Come on. Um, there's big masses. There's crime and mass citizens everywhere. And Dred get but but and Dred gets a call to help with a bank robbery being done by Impact fans. Oh no! <laughs> At the same time, though, in what initially I was worried was a scene from a different comic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's time! Time for revenge, that is, against Mega City 1, as a bunch of renegade soft judges are, like, in the, in the tropics, preparing to launch a big missile and wipe Mega City 1 off the face of the Earth. <laughs> it's almost like some of the dread strips of recent years <laughs> oh yeah yeah we're just a, just a, every other week <laughs> yeah a, where there's constantly a small cell of soft judges with another doomsday plan yeah you know yep 
<laughs> oh, we'll get there eventually, I suppose. Um, but yeah, but ser- seriously, like this story is in black and white, and of course, I know Steve Steve Yule's art pretty well. But yeah, I think I think if it had been another artist, I might have actually just thought this was like the order, <laughs> the order of the pages was wrong or something. It just comes out of nowhere. Um, in terms of, of chronology, this is what I wanted to ask you. Ooh. Do you think he would have drawn this before Red Razors or um, after? Because I wonder if this... It could be the same this... time, like, because, I mean, Red Razors is in the magazine right now as we're talking Ooh. about it. So yeah. um, I wondered if this maybe has got him, the Red Razors gig, because he does draw some pretty nifty sub judges or just if he was in the writing process with um simon Furman and just said hey like i've been drawing a lot of soft judges so we could do those <laughs> for a <laughs> bad guy like i kind of know what's going story. on with him you know <laughs> <laughs> um but so at this bank a pair of impact of, of, of uh crooks and impact masks are smashing the place up and then they make a run for it distracting dread by causing a fan stampede like there he is ah that kind of thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, again, on a fancy jet, Ian Impact himself is relaxing in first class when he looks out his window and sees there's a missile flying right next to him, which would be disturbing for sure. <laughs> Justice Central also – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to – that's the bit where he says, Shua beats the spit out of the soaps. Ah, you're so right. That that was the uh... – the Jason Donovan side of him. But then he does have a look of, you're right, Vanilla Ice. He's just got the, I mean, that could just be because it, it, it's an amalgam or, or something like yeah. that. But I'm, I feel like I was inspired. I thought that also because in the 2000 AD annual, um, Slane punches a dude that looks a lot like Vanilla Ice as well. <laughs> I feel like, it, you know, 1991, it's, it's the time forward, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> Justice Central also sees this missile and it's actually keeping pace exactly with Ian's jet and it keeps switching sides with it as well. So just from radar, they can't tell which is the missile and which is the jet, which is very tricky. Dred's called back to Justice Central to deal with this stuff as the two fake impacts appear with a hostage who's also in an impact mask. And Dred has had enough of this. He's got to go. So he shoots the two perps. But it seems like it's just by chance. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the innocent who was not shot was like, whoa, like you, you didn't shoot me. How'd you know which one they were? <laughs> Dred just says, I didn't. <laughs> we got to set up these. This is good joke setup here. At Justice Central, the Boffins explain the situation. They definitely can shoot down the missile, but doing so, they risk killing Ian Impact as well. Instead, or as well. <laughs> the decision's up to you, Judge Dredd. And suddenly, there's a Fadoom. The missile is destroyed. Ian Impact lands safely. It's Dred's lucky day because I think it's very much the same thing. Like, I didn't know. I just took a, <laughs> took a chance here. <laughs> and while Impact's lucky because he didn't get shot down, he's also unlucky because Dred just drags him back onto the plane. You've caused <laughs> enough trouble already. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, I know uh, the least favorite kind of dread strip is where he um, 
just needlessly either arrest somebody at the end for no reason or <laughs> this was just a bit silly. He, they were saying, the choice is yours, Dread, but if you shoot down Ian Impact's plane, there's going to be riots all over the place. <laughs> so he saves the plane only to throw him back on it so there's going to be a massive riot. Yeah, it, 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 it's fair. You know, I mean, as, as Dredd said, if you people want heroes, all have to do. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but like for me, um, just the fun of Dredd is just that he arrests everybody involved with a crime and stuff like yeah. that. Like, um, not to talk too much about the present as we're recording this, but um, recently in the Judge Red magazine, there was this story, Dreadnoughts, um, which was about the very early days of the Justice yeah. Department. And the and the, the uh, Judge Glover there is arresting or is investigating a child kidnapping and discovers that, like, the child's parents had done some incidental crimes and she arrests them as well. And maybe feel like, oh, that's the first time that ever happened. That's... <laughs> <laughs> a judge arrests the victim of the crime as well as going after the perps you know it's like a it's a milestone you know yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say it was fun but um i don't know what the dickens happened at the end <laughs> oh for this coming one yeah oh yeah you have to go okay listen <laughs> p wells everybody he'll help you out thrill three <laughs> mr the mystery of judge edwin drude <laughs> script robot dan boz abnett art robot mike hadley letting robot dozzy um first comic first comic we've seen written by future 2000 ad legend dan abnett in the 91 annual, I believe, he co-wrote a Judge Anderson story, like a text story. Um, but this is his first time writing a comic. I mean, he's, he's involved in comics at this point in history. I think he did some editing on, um, on, tox or, yeah, on Toxic and stuff like that as yeah. well. But so this is a post-Necropolis story. Again, we've got this Dickens stuff. I'm not a huge enough Dickens fan to get all, all the jokes here. Um, no. <laughs> I, I do like that it seems like it's more of a regular story as opposed to um, in one of the specials this year, there was a story that was basically just a, a, re, a remake in the uh, – yeah, in, in the Dread special, there was a remake of uh, uh, Mask of the Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe just in Drudge Dread times and that was that was complicated. And this is also this is also a complicated story. It's I was weird. Gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to I'm, I'm very much looking forward to your synopsis of it. I'm going to I'm going to do my best, but I will say that like what I do appreciate is that unlike that Mask of the Red Death one which um was very heavily influenced by just one Poe story, this seems like they've just opened a big bag of Charles Dickens stuff yeah. and just dumped it all in the pot basically. You know, it starts with uh it was the best of times, it was the worst of times and stuff like that. Great expectations and <clears throat> elements of Edwin Drood. Yeah, Edwin Drood, uh, Best of Times, Worst of Times, is Tale of Two Cities, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it seems the Mega City One archive vaults have been have taken serious damage in Necropolis, and so they've hired on a bunch of, like, adjunct, like, citizen, like, like, deputy judges or something, just sort of doing data entry, essentially, yeah. of uh, records that were, that were lost or in danger of being lost in the destruction, and one of them is this Edwin Drood guy. 
So he's technically a judge, but more just like he's been hired. Like that seems like a maybe there's a like a uh, citizen judge title that they give you when you do admin work for the Justice Department or something <laughs> like that. Anyway, Drood seems to have found something interesting and then goes to visit what I assume are his parents' um, memorial gravesite, I guess. Yeah. At a, at a recycle bower of remembrance, I guess. <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty, pretty interesting. Just, just future, like you know, piece of a of a future society, I guess. Yep. But a, a rip trip you can have there, apparently. <laughs> I mean, you got to think post Necropolis. There's a lot of these, just with all the mass graves yeah. and stuff like that. But um, when he does, he's attacked by a man in broken handcuffs. They're broken golden handcuffs. It's a pretty solid fashion statement. But so he gets Drew in a headlock and demands that he bring him food and not tell the judges or he'll kill him. And then Drood, I guess, being threatened and not telling the judges, goes and tries to look him up in um, these city records that he has access to. And it's not clear – it's not clear if he's if this is actually happening, I want to say, because no. when he looks him up in the records, his boss says, like, that's pre-city fiction you've accessed. So I don't know. <laughs> Plus – the criminal is named Magwitch, who is a character from Great Expectations, I guess. Um, but Drood sets off seeking to handle the situation himself. So Drood's boss calls in Judge Dredd back in the ruins of the city. Magwitch has found a dead judge and is playing around with his lawgiver when Drood arrives and demands that Magwitch comes with him to a judge precinct. He's put him under citizen's arrest, basically. Or, like, volunteer, volunteer special constable arrest, which is very yeah. – like, I don't think the judges will <laughs> like, – like, you're, you're looking – you're setting yourself up for vigilante arrest if you aren't careful yeah. with this one, buddy. <laughs> like, I've seen this before. <laughs> anyway, uh, Magwitch says no and Drew's uh, like – what is he? He, like, spits on him or he hits him I in the face I with something? <laughs> He, I don't want to see what I think it is. It looks like spit, but it's got a clong <laughs> sound effect, so I don't know. Um, but he – so um, Magwitch then attacks Drood and beats him up, and but he prepares to shoot him in the face with a lawgiver. And here's where you know Dan Abnett is a rookie – um, Judge Dread Rider, because only rookies actually use the gun exploding thing. <laughs> That's if you're if you're a pro, you don't use that. <laughs> like I think through the ten years that Wagner and Grant wrote Dread, the gun exploded once, basically. <laughs> Just FYI, I don't know. <laughs> you act like you've been there before. But anyway, he um, used the lawgiver, blows up in his hand. Later, Dread arrives on the scene and finds the beaten to death remains of Edwin Drood and smoke and smoking root corpses as well. The case will go unsolved, and I guess that's a reference to the mystery of Edwin Drood, the Dickens novel, which is famously unfinished. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh. This was well. sh shockingly dense, is what I'll, what yes. I'll say. <laughs> for shockingly dense. Shockingly, um, you know, for, for Abnett, who's as you see it, 2000 AD legend, you can see that it's, it's his early work, because it's <laughs> 
It was yeah, like the, through treacle at times, wasn't it? Yeah, this one's very <laughs> much a um like one of these one of these early stories by someone where like they're lucky it's in the yearbook or whatever. <laughs> where, 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 where people can't bring it back and kind of be like, wait, well, what about this? Like, oh, geez, you know, it's the um, it's a it's it, it's a thing that I think some other actually 2008 AD writers um wish was happening happened to some of their early 2008 AD content, you know, as we're as we move through the 90s ourselves, you know, um, but this takes us on. Speaking of taking out the trash, I guess let's <laughs> go to Thrill Four: The Sleeper Part Two. Yay! <laughs> Judge, uh, ju- judges fla- uh, drive past that uh, trash truck we saw with the two uh, murder droids hanging off the back of it. Pretty solid here. Um, and then they arrive to a bunch of judges arrive with Dread to investigate the scene of the crime. Um, the uh, Ziegler, you know, he was in showbiz. He had a lot of enemies. They investigate the destroyed uh, perp droid. And it turns out that it was stolen this morning from Walt's used droid lots. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) No. (laughs) Meanwhile, at Trash Code, the yellow droid and the Usher bot both get yelled at by these trash droids. Like, hey, no, no jump ons. If you want a job, you can go apply like everybody else, you jerks. (laughs) Jerks. (laughs) Tootin'. This is a select occupation. <laughs> <laughs> he does not just employ, just pick up stray droids off the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good! Just, it's those little incidental bits of humor, isn't it? That are just perfect. Def, that, yeah. um, you, you kind of imagine the, these trash droid characters is just talking to each other and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> the the design of the trash school building is beautiful. It's. Uh, very Cam Kennedy esque. Yeah, so good. yeah. Jeff Senior is definitely taking um, taking the lead from from yeah these sort of classic like very yeah. rounded um, potty Mar- like uh, Mega City yeah. One buildings. Lovely, lovely work. Yeah, it's sort of a mix of the <laughs> of the of the Ascara Kennedy and I think McCarthy versions of them. Yeah. You know, they sort of get these McMahon. big yeah. domed versions. So nice. <laughs> And really beautiful use of color as well. I love it. It's great to have the big, um, the big lumbering bouncer esque, yeah, odd job robot covered in bright pink soap suds. It's a, <laughs> a lovely contrast. <laughs> Definitely. So the droids walk off. Their next stop is to blank, which I guess we'll learn about soon. Late elsewhere at Walt's used droid lot. Oh. <laughs> oh. A robot, sh- yeah. A robot shows off a very fancy female maid droid, winking at shoppers. When the boss has a visitor, Judge Dread, and we see that the boss himself is Walter the Dang Robot. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> He's very fancy though, in his uh, purple suit and giant free medallion around his neck. <laughs> it turns out he's started his own business and he's even gotten his voice fixed he's just walter the robot do you know what really made us angry conrad i was still What's reading that? it oh you're still impediment. reading it with, oh no yeah i couldn't so he he'd said something about um 
an endearing trait, and I've still read it as endearing tweet. <laughs> and he says, Walter resents that remark, and I've still read it as Walter resents that remark. <laughs> oh, and I was no. thinking, he's so annoying that even when he's fixed, he's still annoying. <laughs> So we sort of get some background here. There's actually kind of a retcon because he says that he was made free during his action uh, for his actions during Judge Cow, but I think in reality it was during the Robot War way back at the start of yeah. 2000 AD. Um, but you know, eventually we see, we know he went off on his own, which is after the events of Destiny's Angels. When yeah. um, Mean Machine was brought back to life and, and kidnapped Maria and Walter and stuff. And they're like, we're out of here. It's too much. Um, <laughs> we see him wandering the city with a bindle on his back and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and he says that Necropolis made him. Because, I guess, in the aftermath of Necropolis, there's all these droids that weren't really, you know, the droids weren't killed by Judge Death. No. He doesn't care about robots. <laughs> so there were all these ownerless droids wandering the, uh, wandering the wreckage, and Walter comes through, and he's a free citizen, so he can own the robots. He's, got, he's able to own them. And and even the, these robots are so cute. Jeff Senior's robots are so cute that even Judge Death couldn't kill them. Absolutely, yeah. What we see, so we see his empire start just with this one robot who's real sad, and Walter's <laughs> like, "I'll be your own. I'm a free robot." And like this cute little robot, like hugs him and stuff. Like it's really what's, nice. What's that robot called, Conrad? Uh, I believe his name is Fwank. Fwank. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Wagner did go through a strange phase of having the word wank in lots of his work. <laughs> it becomes a, a staple John Wagner sound effect in the uh, in the nineties and the two thousands. So look out for oh that. Oh my gosh! Okay, I gotta, I gotta put that on my radar for sure. <laughs> but so yeah, so Walter, bef you know, befriended and became the owner of all these robots. And hey, if he should then be able to find these robots new homes, add a modest fee, and build an empire about that, why, what, what's who's not to say? You know. <laughs> He's a philanthropist. Exactly. Yeah, come on. But Dredd doesn't care about that or any of this bleeding heart nonsense about respecting robots. He wants to know about these stolen murder bots. And Walter then just turns on a dime. It's like, I'm out of here. My um, assistant Miriam can, can give you more information. <laughs> Still Miriam now because you know, it's going to be... It's, an, it's a big point. Dread walks off. Something doesn't add up about all this. And we see – um, and we learn that the three robots involved were a pair of bellhop robots and a Q-19 manservant bot once owned by a man named Leonard Overly. <laughs> Dread has who, – who was the name of that guy that – of the what of the dead guy that the robot had a message for in this first part of the story. Dread has control, look it up, and drives away <laughs> as Miriam checks on Walter, who's looking out the window, and he's doing that looking out the window with, like, his arms up high on the window, like, ugh! My love, that kind of thing. He's leaking oil from his screen because he's crying. He's lost his speech stuff. He's speaking with W's for arms again. He's so sad. Oh, quipes. I still love Judge Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> 
All, all Miriam can do is console him as he leaks oil on her shoulder. <laughs> Very sad. I, I gotta say, as much as, as much as I, um, am the leader of the Walter Haters Club, I felt more sorry for him in the course of this yeah. than I was annoyed yeah. by him. Yeah, it's not often I do, but I really did hear. He just <laughs> wants to live a life and Dredd just shows up and like triggers him, you know? Like it's not cool. Um <laughs> But so um so Dredd rides on and control radios him. Uh Ziegler was in a lawsuit against Overly, Overly saying that he that, that Ziegler along with the writers Blanche de Blank and composer <laughs> Errol Cassowary had stolen the score for the Mega City Follies. <laughs> did, um, I read that as um, I don't know over in the states. Did you have a a quiz show called Blankety Blank? I've no, but I've heard of it in um, at, in English the stuff because I, I there's like celebrity guests or something, and there was one yeah. like like Zenith felt like his career was at an all time low because they were talking about him hosting Blankety uh-huh. Blank. So blankety blank, yeah, it was a quiz show with celebrities, and and the, there was a missing word in a in a paragraph, and the the celebrities would the other the the two civilian contestants would have to guess what the missing word was, and the mm-hmm. celebrities would would put theirs in. So that was blankety blank, and I assumed that this Blanche de blank was ah oh yeah, because it sounds oh that's blank, nice blank. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah I like that for sure. But <laughs> did enjoy that. I'm not so sure about Ed, Errol Cassowary, except that I just know the bird, um, the the Cassowary, which is a big blue murder bird. Be be careful around it. <laughs> oh. I always remember I went to his like um, they're like like ostriches, but they're like an ostrich cl- crossed with like you, when they say that like birds evolved from dinosaurs, yeah. like the cassowary like clear is like one step away from like a velociraptor. Basically, and I just re- I, I just always remember it because I was checking one out as a, at a zoo once, and there was a zookeeper there who came up to me and said that this bird is a jerk. <laughs> just unprompted, this lady zookeeper just said that this cassowary is the worst bird in the zoo. It's crazy, oh. um, but so oh. I was. Um... Just randomly bought um, two budgerie gars for Christmas last year, and I think one of those must have been crossed with a, a cassowary because <laughs> it's it's psychotic. It's excellent. <laughs> oh man, these killer birds—they're always—they're they're always one step away from taking us out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so it seemed like Overly had written a score for something called uh, Little Psycho Cube of Horror. Don't Cry for Me. Apparently he wrote a bunch of Psycho Cubes based um, yeah. based musicals. Based like musicals, yeah. Mega City Follies. Was, he said it was based on his uh, one Psycho Cube rock baby. Yeah, yeah. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. But so Overly lost millions on this lawsuit. And then died and all that stuff. And so um, Dredd theorizes that the Q-19 could be a sleeper droid sent out, set to wait for a certain point, maybe Overly's death, and then get revenge and maybe just took that bellhop, those bellhop droids for backup. And there's a really great 
just a really simple image here of a close-up of the Q-19 droid, and you just see the top half of the bellhop droid, so it's just his angry eyes and bellhop hat. <laughs> really, I like that one. It's really striking. Um, he worries that DeBlank and uh, Cassowary could be targets as the Q-19 punches his way through a doorman bot say, named Joe, who's got a built-in frowny face. Um, yeah, his, beautiful uh, robot design, not Definitely, yeah. A lot of these actually really feel like, um, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Futurama, which has a bunch yes. of robots, but a lot of like, not like the main droid, Bender, but a lot of the secondary robots have a, seem like they have a lot in common with yeah. the ones from this story. Like this Joe guy in the bellhop hop of droids especially. Um, So Q-19 punches his way through. Inside the restaurant, there's just a huge shark tank that everybody is eating around. (laughs) As Cassowary talks to his date about sharks and things like that. His his, uh, his chat-up lines are not the best, are they? Yeah. Tells his date how evil he is. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. We do a, do a cabaret and drop a simp in there to be eaten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll write the score for it. Oh, Cassie, <laughs> you're so wicked. Exactly. Um, but the Q19 comes punching his way, fighting his way through everybody inside. <laughs> Meanwhile, Judge Hawker has arrived at Blank's apartment, and she's been stuffed into the garbage grinder. We just see some feet sticking out the end. No, no good. <laughs> the Q-19 goes to Cassowary's table and demands t- that he admit that the script was stolen. He won't, and so he prepares to carry the composer to feed the fishes. And when he asks, like, the maitre d' how to get to the top of the tank, he says, I'm not going to tell you that. And he's like, fine, you can be eaten too. Bring him along. <laughs> it's fair yeah this is again we like the last time this is just a a fun mix of action and robots and even like the fact that they've just made walter even a little bit palatable is a real real testament to to a quality of the comic here and again superb art and beautiful colors i love it definitely great great good stuff um zipped along at a grand pace again i really enjoyed it Definitely, yeah. And, you know, I guess with as we talk about stories where someone falls, you know, go, go t- t- takes an, an involuntary jumper, let's talk about <laughs> Thrill 5 Roboblock. <laughs> Script robot Simon Furman, art robot Lee Sullivan and Kev Hopgood, lettering robot Tom Frame. A lot of like overlap of of of, of stories and, and of, of, of our creators here, just with more fun. Yeah. And Hopgood here. Um, this Also, this comic has the varied levels of gray that make me assume it was a color comic that's been grayscaled. I yeah. Think. Like, if you com- – especially because it's the same artist, if you compare this story with um, the um, Impact Imminent story, you can just kind of see, like, the gradations of gray in this one and stuff. Um but so a man goes flying out of a window of the pair of, Ver- of the Paul Verhoeven block, of course, director of Robocop and Robocop. Total Recall and Starship yeah. Troopers and Basic Instinct and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we got a nice little nod to it later on, don't we? Absolutely. 
Spoiler, yes. <laughs> but um, Dread goes to investigate because generally when people jump out of windows, they open the window first. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, a, it's a little fishy. Um, so Dread heads in and the um, a building's really hot. He notices like the, the heater's out of control and a message comes up. Saying that announcing that the Paul Verhoeven block is the first completely automated dwelling with robots handling all jobs and chores. Cameras whir and see dread as he walks through the sweltering halls when suddenly he's attacked by a chef droid. Oh, just before that, sorry, Connor. Oh, please. We did get that little Robocop nod, didn't we, where he said, um, it's the future. Of inner city housing, wasn't it? And <laughs> Robocop was the future of law enforcement. Oh, you're right. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but this chef droid is ridiculous. Real great. It's Just a lot of, lot of spinning knives. Lots well, of... Is there a knife there? I couldn't see one. I could oh, see wait, a sieve. No. You're right. A ladle. <laughs> What's right. he going to there's, there's a whisk. There's like oh, a turkey yes, baster. Oh, yeah. I have seen one little knife, but there's a... Yeah, there's like a... An icing, um, a pipette, there's a, a ladle, there's a steak hammer. You're going to tenderize him, by God! <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, a long, slow, painful death from... Yeah. Well, his, <laughs> his broiler opens up and there's a human head in there. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> I wish this had I like again just sort of looking for little kismet things. That would have been really funny if the if they had recreated this droid specifically for the uh the first dread movie where yeah. uh, they they recycled food. Um but so thinking fast, Dread tosses his badge into the crazed cook droid's microwave, which makes it explode. Pretty solid. Be careful about the science oven there. Um he dodges the blast into an apartment which is full of dead citizens. There's a head in the washing machine and stuff like that. It's it's pretty tough. Um that means it's time to take this building down, for sure. He's got you know to get what? To the- okay. struck to say you sorry, Conrad. No, please. Um lots and lots of thought bubbles here. Yeah, no, it's true. And this thought, is a yeah, thought bubbles are, are right out of vogue now, aren't they? And I, I think I see why now. Like you get Dreads kind of in a monologue for everything, and he's just constantly telling atrocious puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dreads, Dreads getting jokes in here for sure. I mean, honestly, I'd say even now, um, while while today, I I I definitely agree, thought bubbles are definitely not that popular in comics. But even in like 1991, like Dread just rarely has a huge inner life. You know, yeah. it's not too common for him to be um like to really think things to to for us to see his thought processes basically yeah. you know. we sometimes get them in the sort of um the panel dis- no, not the panel descriptors you know the little yeah, like square the, boxes. the narration boxes or whatever yeah, yeah. we'll get the odd little clue in there but yeah you don't see this in a monologue and I'm pleased <laughs> cuz he I just mean, says the it like, definitely, yeah, it definitely humanizes his character a lot more than you normally get from Dread, who's often just sort of this because he's so omnicomp because he's so all competent, you know. He, yeah. Um, 
just sort of does things and doesn't really have to have to think about them that much. You know, they could have like if if they, if they had a little bit more space, it would have been they could have like figured out a way to make him be explaining his actions. Like I yeah. don't know, like you could have like a, like a rookie watching over his shoulder on like a camera drone or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> he um, just constantly thinks cheesy lines though. Like he's like. Um, James Bond or Arnold Schwarzenegger. So when he sees all the, the heads in the washing machines and stuff, the house has said, um, let our machines make your life simple. And then Dredd thinks to himself, dead simple. Awful. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, why? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is. Yeah, this is a slightly out of character. I mean, you know, again, like sort of yearbook special kind of. Oh, very much so. Like yeah. both of these feel like like for, uh, I mean, like, like I joked about with 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 Abnet blowing up the gun. Like these are less experienced dread writers that yeah. sort of don't know some of the implicit tropes of the of the character the way yeah, that Wagner does, for instance. There's no Judge Dread in my. Um, world that would see it. Hmm. Come into my parlor. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. But no thanks. Right. That's as he's making his way and he sees it, like an elevator to take yeah, up. An he's like, opens. Yeah. like getting into an elevator. Like elevators are dangerous enough in a regular apartment building, but in one that's specifically controlled by a, a killer robot. No thanks. <laughs> but then he gets attacked by a robot dog and a, a robot guard dog that he's forced to get into what's obviously a trap like you said i i mean because like the part out loud where he says go find a robo tree Hello. that's acceptable that's that that's dread enough i wrote that down as yeah. what on earth is he saying that for maybe if it was at the end like if it was a wrap-up pun then it could be okay like i don't know um or tree <laughs> because he's a what? robo dog he's got a robo pee on it you know i don't know oh, but uh, <laughs> Dread gets in the elevator. It, of course, drops and smashes at the end. And, like, it's not going to be good times for Dread. Um, the robot celebrates its success. Elevator destroyed. Infestation nullified. Unit safety insured. But he says, don't bet on it. Because Dread has jumped out of the elevator and climbed all the way up. And, but it's been getting hotter and hotter in the in the apartment building, so he can stand the heat as he's been oh, stripped to the waist. This one's for the dread. ladies, yeah. Bit absolutely. of dread exploitation. Do you know what's ridiculous here, Conrad? Is it that he took off his coat, but he put his gloves back on? Because that's yes, what I'm seeing. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I mean, if I if I had to retcon it, and this is very much like when Fox asked me questions and I just grasp for explanation, but maybe he needed the gloves to climb the elevator uh, cables. Yes. To protect Maybe. his hands or whatever—that's that's almost a good explanation. <laughs> or he might be doing the washing up after he's finished the case. Or it's just like it's just like Homer Simpson's five o'clock shadow, where even he takes the gloves off and reappear <laughs> a couple seconds later. He can't he can't help it. Um, <laughs> So he comes in, the the computer core admits basically that it couldn't keep up with the constant demands of rowdy human residents. So in the end, it had no choice but to kill all humans. And I appreciate the honesty of this murderous robot just saying humans are a handful and not worth it, as opposed to thinking that it's um, being helpful 
but they just die like like Crichton and Red Dwarf or having some sort of fake virtue like Max and 13th Floor. I see through you, Max. I know what you're doing. You're just killing people, buddy. Come on. <laughs> I like how uh, Dredd gets a very Basil exposition here as well, doesn't he? Before Absolutely. that. So we'll say that that, that elevated drop and yeah. then Dredd explains, well, when the elevator got to the top, I... Uh, <laughs> Jumped I think, out, I think the you'll ladder. see. Yes, I know how <laughs> elevators work. That's right. <laughs> but so he blasts the computer core. Skyscrapers aren't above the law. And then he um, later, the designer of the block is also taken away, arrested for the murder of 50,000 citizens. But he's got a new scheme. Robo Judge, the future of law enforcement. <laughs> of course, more RoboCop stuff. Um, yep. But listen, sadly for him, we're still about a year away from Mechanismo, so no one wants to hear this stuff. And he gets sent <laughs> right to the psycho cubes instead of the regular cubes because of it. Oh, um, skyscrapers aren't above the law. Dread talks nonsense all the way through this. It's really, he's really got some some uh, <laughs> some pun problems. Yep. <laughs> going on this one this is yeah not the smoothest of judge dread Ooh, ooh, wait a minute i got i got a new theory i got a new theory all right what if this dread full of weird internal monologues oh. and not quite right jokes <laughs> actually isn't the real dread what if we're dealing with thrill six masquerade oh no <laughs> pretty pretty good moment before this show where uh Pete messaged me and said all right i'm going to read the text story and i'm like steal yourself it's a wild one this is a wild text story and i think i said it's it's like a what, a five-page text story so i that said conrad a message saying Give us 15 minutes. I'm going to read this text story. <laughs> 45 minutes later. <laughs> it's cr- finished. That's a lot. I mean, it's just like, uh, so script about Dave Stone. Um, and we've got art by Sean Phillips, uh, the, uh, the, the Armitage team back, back again. Um, doing a, a crazy, again, this is a dread story here, guys. Deeply yep. weird story. There's a, there's a serial killer who thinks he's Judge Dredd and used a combo of like plastic surgery. And then, like, advanced nanoviruses to take his place. Yeah. And he, like, for, he, so for a while, he was dread. And then dreads, like, a down and out, like, drug addict. Drug addict? Who <laughs> somehow manages to catch back up with the fake dread and take him out and then get returned to things and like the big final moment is that like a woman took care of him yeah like while he was in trouble and again taken future drugs Give all drugs yep and she and he arrests her and it's like what the heck is going on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels very it feels very silence of the lambs i'd say just because it it opens with dread going to visit um this this character in a uh in like an asylum and like the, the asylum director like warns him that this could be disturbing what he's about to see and yeah. stuff like that and whoa i don't know <laughs> insane um 
<laughs> it was like John Smith, but I mean, times it, a thousand. Yeah, this. I mean, this is. I mean, Lord knows this is the era of John Smith. Um, yeah. Um, tech stories. I've re- I've read like like I I think yeah like I think yeah. of the ones I've written, every single one has been by John Smith, except for this one. Yeah. So this I is think. Dave Stone, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I remember round about this time there was the um, the Virgin Dread novels were out as well, and there was some. They're about they to come all, out, I believe. Yeah. Like yeah, and Dave's but the Dave Stone ones that that were written were. A bit like this, they were very, very uh, psychedelic, and you were wading through uh, things about shattercock and poppycock and <laughs> just absolute nonsense. Always with a, some kind of decent story underneath it, but with just layers and layers and layers of drivel on top. <laughs> yeah, this is very again. Yeah, um, it's. We were we also talked about sort of um, economy of writing and stuff, and I yeah. feel like this is, yeah. There's a lot of flourishes in yeah. in 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 the writing here. Just a lot of like like a mo- like moments of like a character who's sort of mid like drug induced hallucination and things like yeah. that. A lot of like just um like like the face of he looked into the face of himself or thing thing i don't know um <laughs> there's a lot of like the, the paragraph kind of the words sort of falling away isn't there like yeah 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 format yeah. formatting things <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> like where where his body sense dissipated and new line center ruled suddenly he was <laughs> right ruled something else <laughs> like, <laughs> But there's some some glorious art by Sean Phillips. Absolutely, yeah. Well, because because it's this like psychedelic, like drug addled story, he really does a great job of like giving you a sense of that. I think um, yeah. through through the story, there's this one page that's just a mass of images and like pieces of dread and smiles and people and like all these other like things going on. It's pretty cool. Like definitely, I. I, I I feel like Sean Phillips is our um w- he's a big uh, I know Eli's a huge Sean Phillips fan actually from his work in Armitage and stuff. Excellent. Yeah. Um and he does a really good job here as well. Um I got interest say- sorry okay. interest a note um thematically for this podcast um at the end the dread that isn't dread <laughs> has messed with the lawgiver. Yeah. And he <laughs> throws at a dread, a dread that is dread but isn't dread anymore, but might be dread that's now a drug addict, quickly presses the trigger and makes it explode and throws it back at the dread that is dread that now isn't dread anymore. Um, well, because... because but it's another exploding lawgiver, basically. <laughs> these rookies, I'm telling you. Yep, I know. <laughs> but I love that because it's literally like the lawgiver is designed like a cartoon where there's a second where it beeps and you realize you've made a mistake and then it explodes, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, so you get a chance to look at it before it explodes, essentially. It's, it's and the Dred- lawgiver, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, because, and, be, and because Dredd knows that, he's able to trigger it to explode and then throw it right over. like he he takes advantage of it it's like it's it's like if a cartoon character was fighting was like doing something and took advantage of the fact that he could walk out over a cliff if he didn't look down for a second or something 
very wily coyote, isn't it? He knows what he's doing. You know, he's he's trained. Um, I I will say, like, um, I in the end, I thought this was a really interestingly written story, and I thought it was. I I I liked it a little bit, but I think for me, uh, uh, like one hundred percent, my big problem is that I really don't like a like humanizing sad story about judge dread <laughs> yeah <laughs> if it had been if it had been any other judge this would be a great story like if they had made like i i guess we're suffering from the fact that there just aren't a lot of like non main main character judges on on the judge force right now cuz i don't think you could do this with i don't think you'd want to do this with uh, a female judge, because that seems very distasteful, to be honest. But yeah. like, um, if like if this was if if there was still like if like Judge Rico was around now, or or if there was yeah. an adult judge giant or something like that, then <laughs> these kinds of moments of vulnerability and overcoming things would, um, you know, they'd make sense, and I think that would be an interesting and and they'd be and they and they'd be thematically appropriate. But having it be dread makes me feel like no man, like dread would. If you took dread's face and identifying like his fingerprints and his DNA and everything, I still feel like dread could just walk into the front door of yep. the justice department and say, "I'm Judge Dread. That's an imposter." And like it would become clear in like tw- in like ten minutes, you know. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, it was very odd to see the least. Yeah, like and I, I was uh, by the end. I was. It took us a, a few reads through. To, yeah, to I mean, I kind of, I kind of shoot. just kind of end and end with a puss on my face, like like just like a like like I'm like frowning at it because I'm like nah, like this ain't Judge Dredd, like this is some other you you know you're you got the wrong character for this story. <laughs> yep. But then at the end, he, he goes and randomly arrests well, the, there, the there, lady. Yeah, this woman who who helped. Yeah, I mean, it's like we were talking about before, I guess, where yep. this lady helped him. Like get back to himself and stuff, and he still arrests her and stuff. <laughs> oh, and it's so cheesy that dialogue at the end. She says, um, <clears throat> "He didn't speak. What would he have said?" She held out her hands. Take me away, then. It's what you do. It's all you do. He had expected shock, anger, even hate, but there was nothing in her eyes except a wounded. Terrible pity. Yeah, but like that—that's not Judge Dredd. He doesn't feel bad about these. You can't—you can't guilt him into feeling feelings about arresting someone. That's like like I don't even feel like you know what Judge Dredd's about, Dave Stone. Like, oh, you gotta you gotta take this somewhere else. It's just—it's just not what it's about, you know. Oh. <laughs> yes, it was a, a challenge. It was a challenging story that one. <laughs> like you know, I've 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 joked a co- or some a a turn of phrase I like is when is um saying like oh they begged for mercy but there was no mercy within them. I like that. Like like there's no this feeling within them. And that's like dread doesn't have. You can't you can't say something with pity to dread and it cuts them to the core. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 
I'm angry now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's get out of here. And instead, move to a, onto another block named after a famous director with <laughs> Thrill Seven Judge Edwina's Strange Cases. <laughs> Oh, and it's Dave Stone again. Yeah, but there's no judges here, so he's more in his element, I guess. But um, <laughs> script robot Dave Stone, art robot Kev, art art robot Kev Hopgood, leg robot Tom Frame, Kev Hopgood, really working it out this um this special and this one again a little bit more black and white, I think. I don't know. Um, I should say, as always, uh, Judge Edwina's strange cases. This pre uh, precursor story to the Black Museum. Yeah, very much the same, like anthology spooky mega city one stories so um mar um as margaret case lives on the 13th floor of the clive oh. barker block oh it's a spooky uh -oh. it's a spooky apartment block <laughs> her baby has been crying for hours and she's just letting him while she does weird magic rituals because margaret case is a witch oh and her child is a demon spawn. We look out, it's got like these jet black ancient eyes. Oh, it's a spooky little kid. Um, he's hungry for more than milk. It wants to eat a soul. And Margaret's happy to oblige, um, braining her husband Adam with a lamp. And then... <laughs> Tying him up, he comes to on the floor, like in his undies, tied to a big pentagram. I guess it's a, a, a star of David, like a six-pointed yeah. star pentagram-y kind of thing. <laughs> but listen, he's, it's a bad way to wake up. I think we, whatever the details of, you don't want to wake up in a chalk outline of any <laughs> no. situation, be it of a star your, or a body. Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> give him, give him some socks at least that have some decency. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes to and she holds this baby up over her head and does some some incantations eat him eat him eat him all eat him all up um and but it turns out that it's one of these ghost things where oh he didn't want to eat adam's soul just for nourishment instead he's eating his soul and taking over his body he's a free demon dude now and sadly his first victim <laughs> will be margaret kate margaret case as their baby looks on oh, <laughs> just, oh no Real weird. <laughs> this was a, a, a two-page future shock at best, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it feels weirdly out of place and like yep. only the outside establishing shots put this <laughs> in any way as a Judge Dredd or a science fiction story even. You could do this like in an apartment yeah. in New York City at, like like just today. <laughs> oh, um, Margaret's dialogue terrible as we as well <laughs> it's you can it's like that um tech story before it with all of its um i just want to see what's inside <laughs> <laughs> yeah no Does i it, mean uh, it's very very like i mean in this one and maybe in the maybe in the tech story too yeah it's stone he's trying you know he's, he's trying to be kind of spooky and stuff like that and so <laughs> we are sort of having some trouble where the rubber meets the road for yeah. the spookiness, I think. 
<laughs> it does feel very much like um, the budget John Smith. And I like Dave Stone. He did do some good stuff. And I don't ever like to knock creators because I know how, how difficult it is. But, um, you know, when you, you're you currently doing Indigo Prime killing time in your <laughs> in Space Spinner, and that's yeah. like the pinnacle of that kind of writing, and, and then you you read this, and it's <laughs> it does it it does ca- yeah going in, yeah Indigo Prime and 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 then Revere really like casts a shadow over. I'm gonna draw. I'm gonna write some 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 weird stuff yeah. <laughs> in other situations. <laughs> like you know, we've had some top shelf weird stuff, so we gotta yeah. you know you gotta up your game a little bit. You know that that, that, that that's a that's a decent point actually. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So here we go. Yay. <laughs> Speaking of long term revenge, I guess. <laughs> Th- Thrill eight, the sleeper part three. Dread comes blasting into this nightclub on his lawmaster, even as someone at the restaurant calls the judges. Like, ooh, that's fast service. Um, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> Q19 arrives at the top of the shark tank and is sort of – he hasn't like ta- – he's sort of like Duncan Cassowary into the water and kind of freaking him out a little bit as Dredd arrives. And Dredd makes the classic mistake of shouting, drop him, as he pulls his gun on <laughs> Q19. And so Q19 just pegs Cassowary into the water. <laughs> it looks like – I love the art here because – um the way Senior draws, like, the splash of the water and stuff, yeah. it just looks like he threw him so hard into yeah. the water. It's, it's like the when he, he threw the the first guy at the start of the building, it's the same <laughs> angle and everything. It's just like a big, heavy throw, isn't it? It's fantastic. And also in a in a... In, I think this actually is a real illustrative difference of what we are talking about um, with Wagner versus other Dread writers. Because when he throws him in, you just they just show this like close up of Judge <laughs> Dread frowning, and that and that and just his face there says it all. <laughs> yeah. Of like, you know, I, I I said it like you know I, I don't know what yeah, I expected, they- you know. <laughs> Yep. As, no as opposed to like having a, a thought bubble there or something yeah. like that, you know. It's an eternal monologue. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So he throws him into the into the blood into the into the shark tank, and things get very hook jaw suddenly as yeah. the shark attacks, <laughs> and the page goes red. Very excellent. It's it's lovely coloring again, isn't it? I love. Um, there's a there's a panel where. Um, it's just about to get eaten and you've just got it's a real blue panel and then just yeah this this trail of bright red eye. blood through yeah. it yeah. oh yeah that's great oh yeah. oh yeah yeah I, I see yeah this eye of the, yeah. uh, a picture of him screaming with his eye yeah. and you just see his eye underwater as the shark comes out to bite him and he could have wrote the score for this you know a simp in a tank with some sharks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, that that'd be the challenge, right? Because you'd have to do something that sounds completely different from the Jaws theme. Because if you have if you have even one cello on that score, then it's hack. You're just ripping off, you know. Uh. <laughs> oh, so good. So Dread approaches the Q19 droid, and it's literally just frozen in place in. 
its position after it made the throw because it's completed its mission and thus the sleeper has gone back to sleep. Though Dread does pull its wires for good measure, you know? <laughs> it's it's quite fun when the when he's <laughs> um, getting eaten and all of the onlookers are, are just watching and you, you do get to see some internal monologues. Wow. Where they're yeah. just kind of thinking. Um, a lot of people are sort of, of idly mur- yeah, murmuring <laughs> about things. Like, oh, is that a- I think that's a leg. Oh, what's it got? Whoa. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, never seen it before. Always wanted to. I mean, <laughs> when you're at that club, you got to be thinking about it. You know, when you're yeah. at the giant shark tank club. And again, just I love the image of um, uh, the, 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 the panel above that one has all these sharks eating them. And again, it's just fully a fully red panel, just like these, um, again, these hook jaws of old and stuff. Um, so anyway... That the, the case is settled. The ro- these, this robot murderer was 100% successful, and that means Dredd's not pleased. <laughs> <laughs> Back at Walter's at Walt's used droid lot, he's explaining his situation to Walter, and while he can't charge Walter with murder, ha- you know, because he was technically the owner of this sleeper when he did his um, crimes, Walter will be paying damages for yep. the rampage to the city. And he will be, and uh, he the uh, the families of the victims are free to sue him as well. <laughs> he said, "You know, business is tough out there. There's always <laughs> few, few, the world's full of sharks coming to gobble you up." Whoa! <laughs> this breaks Walter. He cries and falls to his knees, groveling at Dred's boots. He begs him to take him back as a servant droid. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, Walter, you're better than this, buddy. Come on. (laughs) And that's the greatest sin is just that, like, I'm like, come on. Come on, buddy. Like, you you deserve better than this, man. To Walter. To Walter. He Dread is is beautiful now, isn't he? He's groveling. He's getting oil on his boots. And Dread... Just get 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 it through your head. Get through your addled semiconductors, Walter. I don't need a robot. I don't want a robot. And even if I did, you'd be the last robot I choose. <laughs> and then he just yes. walks off. Says, <laughs> like, got any money left? You should see a robo shrink. And by the way, you're lesbian again. <laughs> Oh, I just, I loved uh, Walter does his giant crying, begging, please take me back. Um, <laughs> please, 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 Judge Dwight, take Walter back. And he says, you're leaking oil on my boots. <laughs> <laughs> Dread walks oh. off and Walter is sad. Uh, uh, Miriam tries to console him, but it's no use. Although I think he maybe has turned a corner a little bit. He sort of waves his handkerchief and says, Oh, au revoir, Judge Dwed. <laughs> but not, but not goodbye. Walter will never give up. <laughs> he basically outlines a plan to stalk Dredd, which I'm not sure, which is disturbing to say the least. Give him presents and be really weird. And in the end, true love will triumph. Oh. And his robot employees look on. 
kind of grossed out <laughs> by all this. That's the sick bag. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and with Fabulous. that, P.O.L.'s, we finished what this section, I guess, we'll be back with the boring stuff at a later date of the 1992 Judge Dredd yearbook. Oh, man. Wow. I really enjoyed that. It's fun. This was, I was surprised at how fun this was. Absolutely. This is a, there's some good story, like not even just the main story. There's some fun stuff in here. But to that end, I must know what are your top and bottom thrills or or stories, I guess, is our terminology Um, here in Big Meg One. Are we we saying that you're not allowed to say the text story for your your bottom thrill? Yeah, I mean. I feel like we talked. I feel like if you want to, if you want to just put a put put a stamp on the text story as the bottom, you could say that. But I would also like a regular story, yeah, as, that, that, like, like a regular yeah, comic as well. For that. So it, it really saddens us to see it, but the um, the Edwin Drood one was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Abnett is like possibly the best writer going at the moment in the in the prog. Um, you can tell it's his early stuff. Um, so yes, Edwin Drood was was the worst one for me, just simply because half the time I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a that's an important ding. Like yeah. these comics, um, and it wasn't it wasn't through a lack of, of Charles Dickens knowledge. It was just because it was you just I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so fair. when he throws whatever he throws at his face, and I'd said to you what's that? And he said, is it spit? But it's got a big Kong sound effect. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, it looked like sperm to me. Yikes! <laughs> I mean, that would get someone to beat you to death. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you got to be careful about that stuff. I just didn't know what was happening and, and I felt like um, that we should have, I should have known who that big guy was and why he spoke like that. Was he you know, in, in the Edwin Drood book, he gets murdered, allegedly gets murdered by his nephew. Is that supposed to be the, the nephew? I just didn't know what was going on. There was the the judges that appeared, the dead judges that appeared halfway through. Now, I know Necropolis had happened, but Necropolis had happened, and then it was just, oh, there's some dead judges. There's a, yeah. It just didn't make any sense. And then he dies at the end. Edwin Drood, um, and it like he's saying it's a far better thing that I do now, making a stand and everything. A, a stand for what? I just didn't know what was going on. So I'm afraid it's that was um, the the worst by a long way. I, I think I understood the text story more than I understood. Oh man! That. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then far and away. Um, the the best thrill was the the sleeper. It was it was everything you could possibly want in in a dread. It was action. It was comedy. Um, the art was was spectacular. The colours were beautiful. Panel layouts phenomenal. Um, I really enjoyed that strip. There were so many things that made us laugh. The robot designs were great. Um, that, that really enjoyed it. It made us want Jeff Senior in the prog more mm-hmm. often because um, I was reading it and I was trying to, to place him thinking, you know what, um, I, I, I've got quite an encyclopedic knowledge of 
of 2000 AD artists. <laughs> and I was thinking I can't really place much of his, so went on good old Barney, the the place to be. And yeah. sure enough, it was Lawman of the Future. And as soon as I read that, I was like, yes. And I, I remember how I did look forward to his work in that he, um, he was almost a cut above because that was very much a, a proven ground for artists, I think, mm. Lawman of the Future. You'll have to start doing a third <laughs> I don't know. I think I think that like at, um oh oh like I'm not I I'm not this is not me making promises or I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to set set myself up for anything but I think at this point I'm podcasted out in terms of a podcast I can do in a week between um between um Big Meg One and and uh and a Space Spitter, especially when we go weekly with Big Meg One once the magazine goes fortnightly in volume two. But um there's always <laughs> I, I will say that like there's just been a lot of insta like at at some point I really want to get back to uh, or to do more stuff like the Star Lordathon. You know, just yeah. which is a I thought was a really great way just to run through something in a in a period of time that was really fun and just kind of a a, a neat thing. And so yeah. the idea <laughs> of a of a lawman of the future thon or something like really that twenty odd issues or something wasn't it? Yeah, because there's not a ton, yeah, <laughs> not a ton of issues of it and stuff like that. So it's sort of. You know, it's 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 one of these things that I've got like sort of percolated in my head. Luckily, Lawman of the Future's in comes out in a 1995, so that is a um, 2022 Conrad problem. <laughs> so I'll let I'll let him figure it out for sure. Um, but I, yes, I really enjoyed the the whole thing was was fun to read, very much of its time, like. It was funny how we talked about um, the Bradley effect, and then sure enough, there was a, a Bradley esque strip with uh, Jason Donovan in it. And, yeah, um, the ex- exploding lawgivers every other page. It was <laughs> interesting stuff. What about yourself, Conrad? Oh man, um, I mean, I'll definitely, I definitely say the tech story was was tough. Like I said, just because. I didn't feel like it was very appropriate for the character of Judge Dredd, I guess. Um, And then I think while I also agree that the Edwin Drood story, that the Edwin Drood story was very confusing and weird, I think I might actually do, um, do Roboblock, I guess, just because. I wasn't a huge fan of Dredd's monologue and stuff like that no, going, going through it, which also felt kind of out of place. He was insane. <laughs> and like, honestly, I feel like I've seen this specific Dredd, like yes. the the Dredd goes to a robot-controlled city block and has to die hard his way through it or whatever. Yeah. I feel like I've I've seen this plot done better elsewhere, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a very early Dredd script where he... Yes. Did exactly the same, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. It was, it was like a. I, I think that was like a like Computel. I want to yeah. say <laughs> it was. It's yeah, pinging around <laughs> my brain in there, you know. Um, but I really, I really liked the art on or some of the art on this um, on that story. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd say I like, I like the art in the Edwin Drew just because I kind of like Mike yeah, Hadley. Mike and I Hadley. Think, yeah, I like the art. And, I, and to me, he's kind of an unusual dread artist as well. So I sort of, I don't know, <laughs> just, just because I haven't seen him do it as much, it kind of brought it up a, a notch or two for me. 
Like, and, uh, but I would say this special, man, it's a real um, it's got some real high highs and some real low lows, yeah, you know. Because Judge Ed Wayne was a, you know, it was between yeah, the, like there's definitely the Clive Barker Damon baby and the <laughs> Edwin Drood for for bottom was a, a close run thing. But I really enjoyed all the rest of the strips, and I'm just thinking there as well, Conrad. I wonder if I may be wrong, but that um, Edwin Drew, uh, the Judge Drood might be Dan Ablett's only dread strip. That would Whoa. be a shame. I don't know. I don't know enough about about Dan Abnett, honestly, um, or what his 2000 AD stuff. You know, I usually keep myself pretty. Um, I try not to look people up too much before we actually get to. Let me see. No, he does. He's done some. He's done some Judge Dreads. Has he? Um, All right. In the in the in the nine hundred space, like between eight ninety five, like. I think actually that's his debut in two th- uh, his debut in two thousand. Yeah, he his first work in two thousand eight is a dread, um, which I think is actually uh, common for that nineties era. They like to start people off on dread just to yeah. to, to humble you a little bit <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, in, in between ninety four and uh, ninety five, he does th- three or four dreads. All right, but I agree oh. that I would. Yeah, I definitely don't associate him as a as a dread writer. <laughs> Um, and he is the one of the greatest of the the two thousand AD writers. He's right up there with uh, you know your Wagner's and Grants. I think he's he's excellent. Yeah, it's, um, it's 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 very funny because I think before this, I mostly knew him as a uh, as a uh, for his Warhammer forty forty uh, k novels, but he's also yeah. done. And, um, you know, he also created the modern, like the movie version, basically, of the Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Yeah, of course. Um, yes. And, you know, if you look in the in the Prague these days, there's always there's generally at least one story by him. I think he does like yep. Sinister Dexter and Kingdom and a bunch of and uh, Brink and other things like that. Um, um, he's insurrection a insurrection in the in the Meg is like one of the greatest stories ever written and lawless in there too oh Oh, man but um you know uh, again he's an author i really like and it's one of these things where that's a that's a like i don't know there's all these little things like especially creator like for creators and stuff that i'm always looking forward to a signpost of us just making our way through through 2000 ad like i remember even just like even like uh like not famous stuff like the first time we saw any park house lettering in 2000 yeah. maybe or something <laughs> just sort of seeing these create you know it it's like if you're watching an old tv show and there's a character on that show that comes on partway through the run of the show, but then becomes like a big star in it yeah. or something like that. Like, um, <laughs> like, like, like if you're watching Star Trek Voyager and when Seven of Nine shows up or something yeah. like that, <laughs> or, or when Worf shows up on Deep Space Nine or whatever, that's the thing in Star Trek. But like, you know, when that shows up and it's like, oh, hey, like, I'm, you know, this guy's, this is going to be a thing, you know, we're in a new era. I don't know. But, um, yeah, but I, I'd say for my top, um, Oh, I mean, definitely Sleeper. Yeah, this was a really fun story. Like, like you said, it's just um, – I think it's a really great annual story actually or, yeah. or, or a yearbook story. One of these ones, it runs the whole be, – be, because it runs the whole um, the, the whole book and also just because it's got a lot of just what you're looking for 
a lot of like the the things you want to hit when you're doing yeah. a dread store. You've got all this like from having Mega City One architecture, like Mega Mega Citizens, like all these like show the yeah. showbiz stuff, cool robots, action, humor, like just, shock. Yeah, ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah, there's some bonus ones like shark attacks and things. Um, and it even and and again like. It even like made me feel bad for Walter, which is yeah. something, and then humiliates him. Yeah, and so, then so but, that as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a like honest like this is yeah. one that I I would say honestly check out if you even if you're yep. like a uh, you know a two thousand even if you aren't sort of reading these specials or other things it's in um restricted files three. And I'd really suggest it just because this really feels like a like a like an extended dread story that's just yeah. dread kind of doing dread stuff. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like he's not like the world doesn't change afterward. There's not a lot of like big like like parts of the myth or something. Yeah. It's just like, hey, here's like, you know, 20 pages of dread doing stuff around the city. And I think those stories aren't as common as you'd think in terms of just like if you yeah. wanted to give someone a story that's just like, what's Judge Dread like? And it's like, this is what it's like, you know? It, it, it makes us um, think about um, when DC had their first crack at them, when they had a crack at Dread and they had their long running dread strip which was pretty awful mm-hmm. but then they had a, a sister comic that was legends of the law or something it was called and they were like four issue sort of standalone dread tales so mm. 32 page um little dread tales written by different writers and i really quite liked them they were these nice little self-contained tales and unfortunately you know, they didn't last. But I, w- I really would enjoy a, um, a more meaty, long-form dread every every month like this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd love like, – yeah, I mean, I, I think that could be really cool, like a, um, a, a an American comics length <laughs> dread story yeah. kind of. Because <laughs> I – yeah, because again, it's something I, I – um, honestly, I, I thought about a lot when I was doing like the, the primers that we did ahead of, of Big Meg 1 of just like you know when people ask what the what a good dread story to start with i mean it, i think the suggestions are mostly good but it is stuff like the apocalypse war or here's yeah. judge death or something which mm-hmm. are or like or or the cursed earth or something which are all great yeah. stories but aren't like what day to day dread is. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um I don't know. So yeah, but I like this one just yeah, again, just as a uh here's just a fun dread fighting robots story. Yeah. You know, we could always use more like, of that. Cool robots as well. <laughs> yes, that's a good that's a good qualifier for sure. <laughs> oh awesome. Well, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Really did. Definitely. Well thanks for coming on and I hope everybody Thanks for asking. I really oh. enjoyed it. Of course, definitely, yeah. 
I hope everyone else enjoyed the show as well. As always, you can find Big Meg One on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at BigMegOne.com. You can contact us at BigMegOne at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. For all those you want to check out Big Meg One with one written out, you'll find us there. And this show is brought to you by Steve Greens and Kip Miller and your friends in the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Line. That's our podcast network. There, you can support the show and get a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. Pete Wells, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was fantastic. I really had a ton of fun talking about this stuff <laughs> thank with you. you. All right. Really enjoyed it. Definitely. Um, <laughs> where can we find you on the internet, and what are you up to out in the real world? <laughs> Um, well, it's quite an exciting, very exciting time for me. Um, I'm a, a special needs teacher by trade, and I write stories for children and adults with special needs. And um, I'm very excited to say that um, the my favourite um, special needs company are publishing uh, my stories. Really professional high-end um, production values on them um, and they're being released in the month of March which I think is when this that's is when this will out. come out yes yes so it'll be called inclusive stories um, so if you search for inclusive stories hopefully they'll be COVID permitting um, they'll be up and ready to go and I know that they're going to be free up until um, June and then it would become a, a paid service. And I wouldn't expect uh, many of the listeners, you know, they're not written for listeners of this podcast. They're written for people with special needs. But there are a lot of fun in there. If people want to check them out, search for Inclusive Technologies, Inclusive Stories. Excellent. Or I'll, I'll, look at I'll us have on a... Facebook because I'll be talking about nothing but when I'm allowed to talk about <laughs> And I'll definitely have links to those to that in the uh, in the in in the notes for the show as well just to, just to check it out. And you know, I mean while it might not be for someone specifically listening to this podcast, I'm sure, you know, everybody it, it, it's a small world in terms of just where Yay. what what folks are up to definitely oh man all right thanks so much again this was i had i had a ton of fun on this one oh man and we'll be back eventually with uh, episode 10.5 talking about all the uh all the extra bits in this one as well definitely can't wait you said this would be a short one I, you know, listen. I, I'm not. I'm. I, I can't tell the future. I don't know. We get like. I think we got off on a lot of tangents that the you know more than the text would suggest is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, come back next time on Big Meg One as we'll reach the finales for most of our current stories, and we're getting gear and we're gearing up to head to the end of Volume One of the Judge Dread magazine as Middenface McNulty arrives for a very doggy adventure. <laughs> a man and his dog. Until then, I'm Conrad Therapeed, and we are Big Meg One. Drop <laughs> <laughs>